Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's a privilege to be a, a husband, a dad and, and also a pastor of Life Changes Church. Um, and uh, just want to let you know that I actually met this amazing girl at church. I tell you, it's a good place to meet, to meet ladies. I'm just saying, guys... No, that's what we do, you know, that's what we do here. But uh, I met her at Life Changes, and I fell head in, head over heels in love with her from the moment I saw her. Uh, as I often say, she was a little bit slow on the uptake or didn't hear God clearly, but I did. Um, but you know what? There's a, what happened as I met her and this relationship started, there's a, there's a, I think it's a Hebrew word that just describes what happened to me when we met. I don't know if you guys will know it. It's a word, uh, I think it's pronounced friend-zoned. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Friend zoned. That's what happened to me off the bat. Uh, I was friend zoned by Fiona. I mean, you know, just the sort of thing where I'd send copious amount of SMSs. You know, you know the SMS you send, you go, did you get that message? You know, I was that guy. She would take hours, sometimes days to reply. And I was, I was like, what is she so busy with that she could not reply? Just airing my, my frustrations. And, uh, but when she did reply, she would reply with the two worst words that any guy who's excited for a girl would read in a message. She'll say, thanks for the message, my friend. It's just not helpful. You know, I'm like, she's going out of her way to throw those words in now. Just my friend. She's just littering the message with my friend. So I did what any self-respecting ginger would do in a moment like that. No, I, I, I decided, you know what, I'm on a ticking clock here. And uh, so I did, as I said, what any self-respecting ginger working with limited resources does. I made a move. I made a move. I, I made a move in that moment. So what I did, I, I sent her a message. I strategically wrote it out. And I said, Thursday night, hope you're free. We're going to go to town. I made sure that it was ambiguous enough to so that she would think there were more than one people who were going to be there. <laughs> but by hook or by crook, we're married today. Um, but I sent that to her. And uh, what I did was I made this move. You know, So I went and I got my, my car and I cleaned it for the first time. Energade bottles out the window. You know, those, like, How did this get in the car? You know? pizza boxes out the back, and just was like, this car's going to look good. I went out, I thought, I want to be relevant and cool, so I bought the Bastille album, I don't know if you remember that from five years ago, Pompeii, it was good, I went in the CD player, and uh, I put on a cool shirt, I brushed my hair, even brushed my teeth for once, which was a win, and uh, I picked Fiona up, and uh, she got in the car, and we, we went all the way into town, and I made a move, you know, I, I, I booked a table at Hudson's and Clue Street, you know, we shared burgers there, it was wonderful, I paid as one does. Um, and then I, I wanted her to really know that this was no pastoral coffee. That I, I'm not doing, this was no, that I wanted her to know that there were some intentions going on. So what I did was I said, she said, cool, are we, are we done with the dinner? I said, oh no, we're not done. We're walking up Kloof Street. So we walked up Kloof Street and uh, we went and got frozen yogurt. And as a bus, she was about to have a, a taste of it. I said, not yet. Not yet, babe. No, I didn't say babe. I wasn't that cool. I said, not yet. And we managed to sneak our way up onto the top of a hotel roof in, in, in the city. We ate frozen yogurt looking at Table Mountain under the moonlight. She knew that this guy had made a move. She knew that mo- he's made a move, you know. And, uh, and I want to tell you this morning, the title of my sermon is Make a Move. And if you are here today and you are thinking, is this a dating sermon for the singles? N- no, but if that helps you, be encouraged. Take a, make a move. That's just for free. But I want to tell you that so many of us, I believe, are, are stuck. We're stuck. We're stuck in our walk with God. We're stuck in our relationships. We're stuck in situations, in our sins. And I want to suggest this morning, if your life is not where you wish it would be, you can make more excuses. 
You can blame your circumstances. You can blame your season of life. Or you can make a move. And I want to tell you this morning, if, if, I want to say if you're stagnant, if you're stuck, if you're slipping and sliding, I want to tell you this morning that you were designed to be moving forward. The God design in you is to be moving forward. Let me tell you, in Genesis 12, Abraham, God says to him, Abraham, leave your father's house and go to the land I am calling you to. God says to Joshua, to Moses, Moses, advance into the hill country. You stay this hill long enough, advance into the hill country of the Amorites and take the inheritance. Joshua, he says, Joshua, I'm going to give you the land everywhere you place your foot. He said, Caleb says, with this rise up at the age of 85, we learned last week, if you're not dead, you're not done. 85, he comes and says, give me my hill country. Jesus in the New Testament tells us that actually we are, we, are, we are moving from glory to glory. He's leading us in triumphal procession. He says the glory of the latter will be greater than the former. You were created to move. And I want to put that in our hearts. So speaking about moving, speaking about all this, this, this kinetic energy going on, why don't you use your feet and let's stand. I want to read scripture this morning. We're reading in Hebrews chapter 11, it's verse 24 to 26. I say it every week, but we stand to remind our hearts that we are partnering in the preaching of the word this morning. So verse 24 says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. I thank you, Father, as we pray this morning. And we lean into your word. I thank you these three verses would come alive to us. I thank you that you would move us from where we are to where you want us to be. I pray, lead us, Spirit of God, and we will follow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you sit, why don't you say, make a move to somebody. Make a move. Get in their grill. Tell them, make a move. We're making moves today. As we're getting stuck in, let me set up the scene for you. These three verses in Hebrews 11 and the few verses before and after it. Actually, just about eight or nine verses in Hebrews 11 that actually, in, in a brief, is a synopsis of the whole narrative of the book of Exodus and, and even a little bit further of Moses' life. And we, we find that Moses actually, he was an Israelite. He was born to Israelite parents. And uh, he was actually born at the wrong time in history. Well, that's what his parents would have thought. Because as this joy of a new baby boy... We'll call him Moshe, Moses. We'll call him Moses, our boy. And, uh, and what happens is with this delight that rises in their hearts, um, turn to dismay very quickly as Pharaoh gives out an edict saying that actually he says, I want every firstborn Jewish boy to be put to death. And the parents, I can imagine, could have cried out and gone, why us? Why now? Why here, God? Why? You gave us a gift just to take it away. How dare you, God? This is not fair. And stomped their feet and thrown a tantrum. But the great news is that Moses' parents made a move. They did not do any of the formerly mentioned things. They took this baby boy, and by faith, as the scripture tells us just before what we read, by faith they placed him in a basket and placed him in the river, and God orchestrated the Pharaoh's daughter was walking by the river at just that time, heard the cry, had mercy in her heart for this baby, took the baby, invited the mother, said, I need your help to look after this baby. So Moses and the mother move into the palace, and, and Moses becomes adopted into Pharaoh's household as Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter's son. This was amazing. And as the story begins like that, we find that as we read in verse 24, he grew up, Moses grew up in the palace, grew up in Pharaoh, Pharaoh's courts with power, prestige, a profile all around him. But now he, we find him that he got stuck. 
He was stuck in between the pleasures and power of Egypt and all this that goes with it. And, and this other call that's burning inside of him of the plight of the Hebrew people, that actually the call of God to be with the Hebrew people and rescue them and redeem them. And I can imagine Moses with this tussle, looking to the right, looking to the left, the Egypt, the Hebrews, the Egyptians, the Hebrews, which, which way do I go? And he was stuck. He was stuck between his comfort and his calling, caught in the middle of where he was and his destiny. He was stuck between his pain and his potential and between his frustration and his future. But scripture tells us here in Hebrews 11 that Moses, our boy Mo, made a move. I want to tell you three things that he made a move, and I believe that they are things that you and I have to learn to do if we are going to be all that God has called us to be. So number one this morning, be short and sharp, is we have to to learn to make a move to refuse. See, the scripture says, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, as I've been reading this the last few weeks and for my own life, and just allowing this to really challenge me. I've realized that I've been allowing things in my life and my thinking by default that faith would demand I cut off deliberately. I've been allowing things into my life and the way I process life and and take on life just by default, by my circumstance, by situation, just like a, a reed in the waters. I've been allowing things just by default when actually faith has called me to make refusals deliberately. You see, this incredible story of Moses. Moses there, he's in between. He's got everything at his disposal here. Pharaoh's power and, and, the, and, and he's, got, he's got Pharaoh's ear. He could, have, he could leverage all that for, what, for his future. But in that moment, he refused to identify with his past identity. You see, he decided in that moment that actually he wasn't going to allow his future to be defined by anything that wasn't defined by the word of God. The voice of God, what God had called into being. You see, this is the understanding. By love as I read it, we read that Moses refused. Now, as I've been reading that translation and looking into that word refused, that word refused, you could separate, uh, put another word on top of it, an active throwing off. Or as the, the commentators say, a better translation is, a violent rejection of. So by faith, Moses had a violent rejection of Pharaoh and everything that he was going to be called under Pharaoh. He refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter's son. A violent rejection. Let me explain what a violent rejection looks like. It's not neat. It's not tidy. It's messy. A week and a bit ago, a stomach bug came to our house. 24-hour bug. And I can tell you, for 24 hours, there's a lot of violent rejection going in on our house. I don't want to be, uh, put that image in your head for too long, but I want you to understand the implication of by faith he refused when, when there's a stomach bug in that's not supposed to be there, I don't reason with it. I don't go, come on, stomach bug, please. No, that thing has to come out. It's not pretty. It's full of sweat. It's full of tears on the toilet floor. And I'm just going, please, Lord. This is terrible. But can I tell you, a violent rejection looks like something like that. By faith, Moses refused, violently rejected to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, here's the understanding. is I believe this for, for some of you here today is don't tolerate what God has called you to exterminate. Don't play games with something. Don't, don't just allow by default what God has called you to deliberately cut off. You see, the Bible says it this way. It says, refuse to sit in the seat of defeat. Psalm 1 tells us, refuse to sit in the seat of mockers. Refuse to sit in the seat of bitterness. Here's my implication is stop sitting down when you were created to move. Many of us, we have situations come and things get tough and we just sit and we go, God, why? 
change my circumstance. What's going on around me? Why did they do that? Why did he look at me funny? Why is nobody phoning me back? What's going on? Why is my boss reacting that way, God? And we just sit in the seats when God has called us to move. Somebody the other day said to me, and, uh, and they said, you know, I said, how are things going in the life of the church? And you walk with God, and they say, you know what? I'm not doing well, because somebody told me they'll phone me back, and they haven't phoned me. No one's phoned me. Maybe that's true. Maybe they should have phoned you. And, but I, I want to say you will die waiting for someone to make a move when you are called to make a move towards faith. Do not put your, your future in the hands of somebody else. Do not let them hijack your future because they have not phoned you back, because they have not responded in the way you thought they would. God has given you authority to make a move. Somebody said to me the other day, he said, Gabe, you know, you're a bit hyped up all the time, which may be true. But then he said, I'm a man of intellect and reason. And I said, that's good. And intellect and reason is wonderful. But here's the great news is that we have a, a walk of faith. And it doesn't say by intellect and reason, Moses refused. Because intellect and reason would have had him stay in the palace. You don't go down to be in the, in the, the gutter with the Hebrews down here. By intellect and reason, Jesus would never have gone to the cross. But by faith, he refused. Let me tell you, there's a story that I've loved in the last few days. I've been reading it again and again. John 5 is a, is a story of a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, the, the history tells us there was this pool in Bethesda and in Jerusalem, which uh, the history and the mythology that grew around this pool that actually had blind people, crippled people, lame people all around this pool. Because once a day, the, the story would go that an angel would come down and stir the waters. And when the waters would bubble and stir, the first one in would get healed. So all the sick people would gather around there. It was like a feeding frenzy. Can you imagine? As soon as the water started to stir, there was the whole thing people ever get diving in and head first and trying to get in this water. But the Bible tells us there was a lame, the story is about a lame man at the pool of Bethesda who had been there for 38 years. The man writing the story was John, who was about, the scholars tell us, around 40 years old. This man, John, same age as this guy, he knows this guy. He's seen him there 38 years. This has been his identity. This has been his life. Pool of Bethesda guy. Here's the thing, though. This man for 38 years had been near the pool, but never been in it. He had never been in it. And I want to say to you today, maybe you've, you can be in environments of faith. You can be going to church. You can be, say you're a Christian. You can be near it, but not actually allowing it to transform you. You see, we, there has to be an understanding that, that sometimes it has to get hold of us, a, a move of faith, make a move to violently reject, to refuse some things. Let me tell you this is practically, we at Life Change Milton are looking for a new venue. Because the, 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 with the relationship with the school, we have to be out in a while, in quite a short while. And we've been looking, we have not been passive, and we've been knocking on doors, not going up to every avenue at different venues, asking, trying to negotiate, and we have had polite no's most of the time. And we're still on that journey, and there's still God's got some great options for us, and we're quite excited. But as this journey's been going, can I be honest, my thinking has got, I found my, myself at times wanting just to sit down in the seat of defeat and go, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe hey, I'm, I'm a pastor, man. I can't do stuff with buildings. What the heck? How am I supposed to negotiate that stuff? And the words start to come in. And maybe, I'll be honest, at times, always, maybe, maybe you're not cut out for this gig at all. Unqualified starts to come in there. And I've had to go and understand this scripture. Thank God for the word of God. Because as I turn the page to Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Moses refused to pick up that identity that was not defined by God. I've gone on a journey going, God, I will not pick up an identity that you have not have defined. Though I see around me in the closed doors, I'm going to by faith refuse to pick up that identity. 
You have called me to lead. You've called me to take people forward. You've called Milton to have a home. We will do it by faith. I have had to refuse. You have to do the same in your walk as well. By faith, Moses refused. Secondly, make a move to choose. Not only do we have to make a move to refuse, we have to make a move to choose. Scripture says, by faith, he chose to share in the oppression of God's people rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. You see, as I read the word chose, there's understanding not just a refusal and putting things off, but there's actually an act of putting things on. You see, faith is not just nodding. Mm, Sounds good. Smells good. Must be the word of God. No, no, faith is acting. Faith has feet. Faith has movement towards it. You see, I've said this many times, I'll say it till the day I die, that it's more important what you're saying yes to than what you're saying no to. Let me explain it this way. I'll be getting no um, late night cuddles for my wife when, if I came up to her and I said, Fiona, you know how I love you. She goes, yeah, tell me how. I said no to many other women. Ah. Probably wouldn't go down well in our household. But let me tell you that actually it's true. I did say no to other women, but actually the power of my love for her is like the fact I said yes to her. And I continue to say yes to her. And I pursue her and I go after her heart. That is what actually defines my love. And actually the no's become so easy when I'm saying yes. When I'm taking on and putting on the things that I'm choosing something, the no's become easy. But here's the thing, the kicker. He says here, he chose to share in the oppression of God's people. This was not like a tough call. Oh, they both have got pros and cons. No, this one's just got a whole lot of cons. The one scripture said, chose to be mistreated with them. Now, let me tell you, there's no light and fluffy message. This is faith for real living because actually this is, I'm not looking for an easy way out. This is where the rubber hits the road. Maybe your boss at work is wanting to, you're wanting you to take cut some corners and he's, he's baiting you with a, a promotion or he's even putting some fear saying, actually, you want to be in my favor to do this. And you're going, I feel like I'm in, in between a rock and a hard place. I've got, I need the finance. I need this job, but, but oh, I don't know if I can do it. Can I tell you today? You need to make a move to choose by faith. And sometimes it's taking a step down. Sometimes and most often actually faith will lead us to places that don't look like it's going to work out well. Let me just be, be real here. Maybe you're in a relationship where you're being forced to compromise your integrity. I just, no, I, I know it's not right to be with that person, but I don't want to be lonely. You're stuck. You need to make a move to choose. By faith, choose. And sometimes faith will look like walking away from something that you think might not come back again. Maybe you know you should be in community, but you're going, it's hard to make a night free in the week. Make a move. Make a move. You know, can I say this? It, it, it'll, it'll be costly. To do that, it'll be costly. To walk away from that, to walk away from any situation, to pick up something else will be costly. But here's the thing. I believe that it'll cost you so much more in the long run if you don't do it. It'll cost you so much more if you don't do it. You see, this is an incredible thing. It often, the move seems counterintuitive to our self-protective, sanitized, secluded hearts. But the gospel calls us to move. Here's the thing. John 5, let's pull that narrative across. This man, lame, 38 years, the pool of Bethesda. He's still lying there. It's been really tough. And uh, Jesus walks into the story. But don't fool yourself. It's no Jesus meek and mild. He doesn't get down and go, let me sing you kumbaya and wipe your hair. And What's wrong, my brother? The way I read it, Jesus walks in, never met the dude. Jesus walks up and looks at the guy who's lame for 38 years and says, do you want to get well? 
I love Jesus. He's hardcore. Do you want to get well? Imagine the guy like, I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm here. But the guy, if you read on, the guy's response is, I can't. I'm lame. No one's helping me. When the water stirs, people jump over me and they get there. 38 years, Jesus. This has been tough. Comes with all the excuses. You see, I, I, my, my one question there, I don't know, you know. It's a sort of amazing thing. Jesus walks in the story. Do you want to get well? Someone had to have brought him to the, near the pool. But he's never had somebody pull him all the way. Because he's got content to just stay here. Just stay in the zone. When actually Jesus comes and says, do you want to get well? I believe Jesus is here this morning. And he's saying, do you want to be free? Do you want to get well? Do you want to move forward? Do you want to take on the call of God that I've got in your life? Or are you just going to keep it on the shelf for a little bit longer? I like it. It looks good there. But no, it's going to demand much. So uh, do you want to walk into it? Jesus is not, he's not looking for fans, as we've said. He's not looking for people who are going to tick the box. He's people who are going to follow him and respond to him. Thirdly, this morning, you've got to make a move to refuse, make a move to choose, and finally make a move to look ahead. I love how the scripture finishes. In verse 26, it says, He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Let me tell you, to make a move, we have to, we, we have to move away from being overwhelmed by the right now. Let me say it this way, that I love Moses from a distance. He saw Christ. He saw, he saw the reward. He saw the high call of God in Christ Jesus. He saw it from a distance. And based on that evidence, Moses said, I, I see the fleeting pleasures. I see the now reality. But actually, I see even the pain. I see this is going to cost me huge. But I don't see the pain doesn't overwhelm me. And the pleasures don't overwhelm me. I see him. I see him. I'm going to make a step in faith. Because let me tell you, Christ is our power. But he's also our pleasure. Let me say it this way. Christ is our rewarder, but he's also the very great reward. Reward. He's the one who gives us the freedom, but actually he is our freedom. Can I tell you the thing you're longing for? God, please may I have a breakthrough. Please, God, would you heal? If you make a move, I believe God does do that. But as you find that freedom, as you find that breakthrough, I believe that you'll find that he is even greater than that breakthrough you're praying for. That Christ alone is more that can sustain you. That he is your joy. He is your prize. So here's my question. Where are you looking for your joy, your treasure, your peace? John chapter 5 tells us that this pool of Bethesda, stirred once a day, was surrounded by cripples, blind, lame people. And all of them had their eyes on the pool waiting for the water to start to stir. Their eyes were so fixed on the pool that none of them noticed a man named Jesus walk in. Boom. They were looking into the pool for healing, but the healer walked in. And none of them looked away. The pool, the pool, the pool, the pool, the pool, the pool, the pool. Jesus walks in and says, do you want to get well? Let me tell you, so many of you are praying out for provision when the provider's walking saying, do you want to be free? So many of you are crying out for breakthrough when the man named breakthrough is walking in. Some of you are crying out for, some, for healing of relationship when actually the restorer is here. Can I tell you, Jesus is your provision, not another place. He alone is. He alone is. And I want to tell you why I love this. Jesus walks in and he walks up to the man. Do you want to get well? Excuses, excuses, excuses. Jesus doesn't go, let me walk you through your excuses. You need a teaching on how to overcome your excuses. No, no, Jesus doesn't even, he just literally goes, thanks for the excuses. I'm deaf to them. Boring. Jesus looks at him. What Jesus says? Stand up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Paraphrased in the Gabe translation. Make a move, buddy. I love that. He says, stand up. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, get a new perspective. You've been looking backwards for way too long. 
You're looking at ankle, people's ankles for too long. Here's the thing. When your eyes are low, so too will your expectations. What you're looking at will determine where you're going. He got so used to his view that he didn't know what the different view looked like. Jesus says, stand up. He has a th- we, we, we've got this little girl called Olivia Grace, and we've got a car seat. And as, as we put the car seat in for safety, as she's a little girl, put the car seat in with the, the back towards the front. So she's facing backwards. And it's nice. Early on, as she's a little baby, it's safe. She's snug in there. The car's going forward, but she's looking backwards. But as, as she gets a little bit older, she gets frustrated because she can't see anything. It's not, no, toys are flying out, and she's crying and driving. It's just it's a nightmare. So we're like, well, should we put a little mirror there? If we get a little device and we can see her, she can see us, we can smile, it's okay. We start trying to work out how we're going to do this. And then, then, then my genius wife goes, Gabe, here's, here's a thing, stick with me. This might, might blow your mind of how genius this idea is. We could turn the seat around. I'm like, whoa, 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 Einstein, hey? So what do we do is we turn the seat around so that Olivia now can see out and she can know that the car is going forward. I feel like I'm going in the same direction. Because here's the thing. I promise you the gospel is good. The gospel works. And God is restoring and doing good things. And he is moving forward. But so many Christians believe that and say, yeah, we're moving forward. But they're so content to keep looking backwards. They're content with the same perspective of defeat, the same vantage point. And actually God is saying, make a move and change your perspective. Stand up. But I love what he says. He says, stand up. Then he says, pick up your mat. The mat that this guy had laid on for 38 years, that rag, raggedy, torn, probably smelly thing that he laid on for 38 years. That was the mat that was laying down from day after day and he would crawl upon. That thing that was his home, the place that made him secure. Jesus said, actually, you're done with that existence. Pick that thing up, boy. Roll it up. Put it under your, your arm. Basically, get rid of the temptation to go back to the norm. Roll that thing up. And then he says this, he says, stand up, pick up your mat, walk. Now this is huge. This is 38 years of not walking, 38 years of never knowing strength in his legs, 38 years of being, having to crawl everywhere to get something, 38 years of never knowing the joy of running. Jesus says, walk. Let me tell you, that statement there demands a response of faith. Jesus sits down and says, let me, let me talk you through it, let me tell you what walking is going to look like. You know, walking is just right leg, then left leg. Whoa, okay, let's just try that. No, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't humor the guy. Jesus says, walk. It's going to demand faith. The guy didn't say, let me, let me just work out the physics of perambulation first, Jesus. What? No, 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 no. Jesus says, walk. And as I call it, I call it, he needed a Nike attitude. Just do it. Just do it. Let me tell you this, this story here, that Moses looked forward he saw Christ and he looked ahead. He looked ahead. And that led him. He went down into the depths and he refused. He chose. He looked at it. Went down with the Hebrews. He got mistreated and abused. And it led him, setting them free, but leading right to the precipice of the Red Sea. All the way there. And as he hit the Red Sea, he started to hear the Egyptians behind him. And everything inside him was like, let's turn this car seat around. Let's turn this car seat around. Boys, it's me. Big Mo from Egypt, remember? I mean, I know you guys. I even know our song. Walk like an Egyptian. I know, I know our song, guys. Like, you know, he could have gone, leaned back and saying, yeah, Israelites, uh, take them. Everything probably inside of him. But in that moment, Moses refused. In that moment, Moses chose a new response. And Moses looked ahead and God said, trust me in this moment. And in that moment, God did what only God can do. Under the Red Sea and Moses and the Israelites walked through and the Egyptians were crushed and died. Here's the understanding for you and I. 
is that I think sometimes we get stuck between our pain and our potential, and, and our pain just speaks very loudly, so we stay in that little zone. Sometimes our comfort and our calling, we're stuck, and our comfort is just too big, so I'm not going to take that step of faith. Some we stay, we're stuck between the frustration and our future. But you know, this is what they've done to me before. When God is calling you to, I want to tell you today, make a move. Let me land in this way. Bethesda, pool of Bethesda, where our lame man was there. Excuses, get, stand up, pick up your mat, walk. The Bible tells us that he obeyed Jesus. He stood up, picked up his mat, and started to walk. And the Bible says immediately healing came to him. Here's the amazing thing, though. The, that word Bethesda, if you go look at it, what, what does it mean? Hebrew, Beth means house. That's why you get Bethlehem, all the different Bethsaida, all these different places. Beth means house. But that word Hezda is quite tricky to translate. Translators have struggled with it. They said that actually, because of the phonetics and the way it's made up, it's hard to translate. So they've, tra- they've said it could mean two things. It could mean house of disgrace and shame. But there's such a fine line. So it says, or it could mean house of mercy and grace. They said, we can't, we can't translate it properly. We're not too sure which one it is. I want to suggest that for the lame man for 38 years, that was a house of disgrace and shame. For 38 years, that thing became the tormentor of his soul. But Jesus walks and says, make a move. And he says, in this moment, this man was stuck. Do I lean to my disgrace and shame or do I lean to the mercy and grace? But when Jesus walks into a story, any story that is full of shame, brokenness, disgrace, God can turn into mercy and grace. But I believe that you and I have authority to make a move. Which way will you go, sir, ma'am? Can I call the band up? We're going to have communion together, but I would like, would like to land before then. Is he has a great news. Is we have a king named Jesus Christ. And what I love about Jesus and Christianity is every religion in the world has one thing in common that separates it from Christianity. Every religion in the world will sell you how you can get to God. Christianity is the only one that tells us, let me tell you how God came to you. Jesus made a move. He saw the brokenness of humanity. He made a move towards you and I. He did not consider it equality to, with God to be counted to as equality. So he made himself nothing. Took on the nature of a servant, Jesus. This amazing man, Jesus. He refused to pick up any identity that his father hadn't spoken. Satan said, Jesus, I'll give you all the pleasures. I'll give you all the profile. Take it. It's, if you're the son of God, take it. Jesus says, I am the son of God, but by faith I'm refusing that. Jesus could have chosen, but he, by faith he chose because the, he says, not my will, but yours be done. And can I tell you the great news that the Bible tells us he went to the cross for the joy set before him. He had his eyes fixed ahead. Not on the here and now, not on the pain, not on the nails, but he was looking ahead to the joy set before him. We have a Savior who made the move towards us, who still makes the move. And I can I tell you, He's here today making a move towards you. He's saying, I'm too far gone. I'm too stuck. I'm too stagnant. I'm too slipping and sliding. He's here and saying, you don't have to wait another day. You don't have to be here for 38 years. You don't have to be here for 38 more minutes. You can make a move now in your heart towards me in faith. I told this story a couple of weeks ago, and I thought I'd tell it again for my own soul. A man named Jim Elliott, who grew up in America, and this young man had everything going from he had he was at good looks he was charming he had a good he was an amazing public speaker he had political ambitions the world was opening up for him the gospel got inside of this man he got married to his childhood sweetheart beautiful wedding amazing everyone was so excited what will Jim do next it's amazing the 
world is before him. And Jim came and said, actually, there's a people group, a tribe, a cannibalistic tribe in South America who do not know the gospel, never heard. I want to go. An outcry went from the public. No, don't, Jim, not you. Send somebody else. You've got everything to look forward to. So Jim got on the plane. The story tells us that as he got off the plane to preach the gospel to this cannibalistic society, as he stepped off the plane, an arrow flew, fop, hit him in the head, and he died. Not opening his mouth to take a breath, not even opening his mouth to let alone preach a word of the gospel. As that story filtered back to America, America, the headlines were, what a waste. How, how dare people send young, our finest people to do that? What a waste. Didn't even get to preach nothing. What a waste. And everyone was so angry at this until his young widowed wife stands up and she started, opened Jim's diary and read this quote that Jim had written. She said, this is what Jim said before he went. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Here's the thing. Let me tell you today, Christ's faithfulness, he has made a move towards you and his faithfulness is never, ever failing. But when Christ's faithfulness meets with our obedience, this world changes. I want to tell you today, what good is it for you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? What good is it for you to have a full bank account but be empty and bankrupt and miss out on the call of God for your life? What good is it to have perfect health but never use a breath to advance the call that God has given you? Make a move. Make a move. I pray that this word will get deep in our hearts, that actually this thing would make a move today and that tomorrow on Monday when you wake up and everything inside of you wants to stay in bed and press news and go, I can't face another day, you'll go, by faith I'm going to refuse. By faith, I'm going to choose. By faith, I'm going to look ahead. I'm making a move towards you today, God. That when your boss starts to speak and you're just like, I can't take another barrage of abuse from my boss. I can't do it. When another bill comes that you say, I don't know how I'm going to pay it. When another, th- the phone call that you're just dreading to receive comes, you just don't want to pick it up. When everything inside of you says, I want to retreat. I want to stay stuck, stuck. I want to stay safe. You're going to say, by faith, I will refuse. By faith, I will choose. By faith, I'll look ahead. I am making a move. Can we all stand this, this morning? This morning, if you, like me, want to take a hold of your soul, your heart, your stuck, your stagnant, your slipping and sliding heart, you say, Jesus, I am making a move today. If that's you, can you lift your hands up high with me? Father, as hands are lifted to you today, in response to the preaching of your word, as a response to the word of God, which tells us by faith Moses refused. By faith Moses chose. By faith Moses looked ahead. I pray, Father God, that making a move faith will start to settle in our hearts. I thank you, Father God, that you would awaken the call of God. Right now where people are stuck between pain and potential, I thank you today there's a move towards potential. When people are stuck today between the comfort and the calling, God, today there's a move towards calling. I thank you, God, where people today are stuck between their frustration with people and church and things. And there's a call to future. They would move towards future. Though it costs us everything, we'll pursue. 
Because he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I thank you, Father, for this robust, pioneering people at Life Change Milton. I pray, would you awaken this army, awaken us to make big calls for you in our everyday, on our Mondays, on our Tuesdays, in our homes, in our work environments, at our schools, at our universities, wherever we face our lives. I thank you, God, that we'll be a people that will be written about us by faith. Gabe refused to pick up the identity of the world. That by faith, Gabe chose to step away from pleasures of sin and and chose to pick up the call of God. And by faith, Gabe refused and chose to look ahead. He refused to look behind, refused to look at what was around him and the circumstance, but chose to look ahead at what you have for me. By faith, life changes militant. Respond this way. I thank you for this in Jesus' name.